Faith Matters Podcast. I'm your host, John Morgan. This is the All podcast right. for Multi-Faith Matters, and I am the host, John Moorhead, and uh, we are privileged to ha- today to have a number of guests as we look at this second episode in a four-part podcast series looking at evangelicals involved in multi-faith engagement who are exercising intellectual humility. And today we're privileged to be able to hear the story about how evangelical Christians uh, with new wine, new wine skins connected to Multnomah in Portland have been meeting for many years for potlucks, relationships, and conversations with members of Dharma Reign, a Zen Buddhist organization. And uh, I'm gonna allow these folks to introduce themselves today and we'll start with Paul Metzger who heads up New Wine, New Wine Skins. Hello everyone, uh, Paul Lewis Metzger. And uh, it's just a joy to be with my friends here, both uh, Zen Buddhists and Evangelical Christians to talk about our friendship and partnerships going way back to really 2004 or so. And uh, so great to be with you all and part of this conversation. Who else would like to introduce themselves next? Maybe Gyokuko. Okay, my name is Gyokuko Carlson. Uh, I was co-abbot of Dharma Rain Sense Center here in Portland, Oregon. Um, I'm now retired from that, but, um, still a Buddhist and still interested. So much. Who else? I'm, uh, oh, go ahead. Um, my name's Sally Gico Tisdale. I'm one of the senior teachers at Dharma Rain Zen Center and, um, it's interesting that I do feel like I'm seeing friends, even though I don't know everybody here very well, we've developed a sense of trust with each other through the dialogues. So that even if I'm not friends with people in my personal life, I feel like I can trust the people on this screen. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting side effect of the long years we've spent together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Emil Kuda, and uh, I was part of, uh, I'm still part of New Wine, New Wine Skins, and uh, uh, it was just a real pleasure to be a part of that, those conversations for those few, uh, those two, three years that I was a part of it, and it's played a huge role and impact in just my ministry as a hospice chaplain today, so I'm very, I'm forever grateful uh, for that time. And I'm Trudy Sang, and I was a part of um, the dialogues when we started uh, doing them, what I started uh, in, I think it was 2012 or 13, somewhere in there. And um, they've made that whole dialogue of while I was a student at Multnomah Biblical Seminary, but now in ministry and still a part of New Wine, it's played a huge role in who I am. And I feel the same way. these are familiar faces that are treasured and um, thankful for the journey. Okay, um, my name is Mikio Ogushi and um, 
originally from Japan. And um, I've been with Dharma Rain for how many years? 25 years or something. And uh, also many years I've been with uh, this dialogue. So uh, especially, you know, Paul and Trudy's faces are so, look so familiar to me. We've been talking for a long time. And um, let's see. Yeah, I guess um, just because I'm, I'm from a different country, um, growing up uh, pretty much with no, no um, like religious environment so much for me. And maybe I can talk about it a little bit from my viewpoint, uh, how this looked. Mm. Thank you. Well, thank you all for introducing yourselves. Uh, we're not going to focus in this conversation on your origin, how you came together, but we do need that as a little background. We'll include a link in the podcast notes to a co podcast conversation that I had with uh, Kyogen and with Paul shortly before his passing, where they share their experiences. But uh, Paul, perhaps uh, you and Kyokoko can talk about how this fantastic uh, meeting of individuals began. How did it come together? Gyokugo, would you like to start or should I? Paul, because you and Kyogen were at that um, meeting with the police that's, that set the whole thing off, I think you should start. Okay, thank you. So uh, Gyokugo's uh, late husband, uh, spouse, uh, Kyogen Carlson was co-abbot, founding co-abbot with Gyokugo at Dharma Rain Zen Center. Uh, Kyogen and I met one another through uh, an initiative by an organization that came in to try and bring some kind of understanding and peaceableness to a very uh, difficult situation in Portland. A lot of upheaval surrounding the fatal shooting of an African-American woman, Kendra James, by a white police officer. And so this organization came in uh, to bring police union reps, police officers, religious leaders, and the like together from various backgrounds. Uh, and there were several groups that met and Abbott Kilgan Carlson and I were part of the same group. And it was interesting because for all of our differences as Zen Buddhist and evangelical Christian, our approach to dialogue was not one of, as the very thoughtful moderator wanted it to be, which was, let's let's find a neutral place where we uh, put our positions, this is my wording, put our positions more at the door and uh, come together to find that mutual space. And for Kyogen and myself, we thought we need to go through our traditions. Uh, to engage from our traditions in search of common ground. And that really shaped our discourse all of the years. And it's had an influence on new wine across the board. And that is to go through our convictions, not around them, nor to stop short, as fundamentalist Christians tend to do, to stop short until people convert, and then we'll have the discussion. Or more liberal trajectories often tend to be about leave your convictions at the door and find neutral space. Ours was Zen Buddhists and evangelical Christians go through those convictions rather than around and stop sh short. And so uh, that led to Kyogen inviting me many months later 
in the midst of tensions with evangelicals in the city and nationally with the same-sex ballot measure going the direction of more uh, in Oregon uh, toward uh, simply <laughs> heterosexual couples. Uh, it was a, a ballot measure uh, in uh, voting in 2004, and then President Bush won re-election in that same cycle. And people were upset more in the liberal community. And he asked me if I could come and speak, bring some of my students with me to come and share on what does compassion look like amongst evangelical Christians and to share from my tradition. And we did a potluck. And so I just wanted to pay tribute right at the outset to Kyogen because talk about intellectual humility. It, it wasn't saying, okay, prove to me you have in your tradition intellectual community or intellectual humility or compassion, but what does it look like? It was a very inquisitive approach and a very um, uh, <clears throat> welcoming approach. And to, to have a potluck where those discussions could be made. And I, I remember uh, Sally uh, Gico Tisdale, who's here writing an article in the Tricycle Magazine as a very distinguished author. And she wrote on our fellowship, uh, the, the beloved community, uh, the odd couple is what Kyoko <laughs> and I were understood to be. Which one of us was Felix? Which one of us was Oscar? I'm not sure. But uh, she said in that um, article that both evangelicals and Buddhists like, you like noodle salad? Well, we like noodle salad. And uh, we found out some things about, for all of our differences, she said, Buddhists found out that we actually were smarter than they thought. And we actually thought that Buddhists were more funny than we had thought. And so a lot of walls came down. It was Kyogen's initiative. I have to say that Kyogen's initiative that's really shaped all of this. And while he's passed, away many years now and uh, that was actually the day before his passing john that we had that um recorded interview uh he still speaks today very much so in Thanks. shaping me and shaping our, our friendships and partnership and beyond thanks paul Gyukoko, did you want to add anything to that i, th I think he said it very well i um I think it might be good to clarify um, when, when Paul speaks about going through the tradition instead of going around it, I think uh, it's important to recognize that um, going through it means to, to truly be centered in um, not not just beliefs as they have been uh, force-fed to you, but what you have uh, truly clarified in your heart of hearts. And when, when you're centered in that, and then you speak from that, you're not trying to convert anybody, but you are speaking um, a wholly realized truth as you see it. Mm. And... Um, I, I think when when you're truly centered in that, it makes it more possible to hear somebody else speaking with that same voice, even with the outer trappings being completely different. To kind of use that as a jumping off point, it's a question for anybody to respond to. When you speak of a centeredness and working through your convictions, 
do you have a sense that what folks on both sides of this conversation were doing was there was there was a non-defensive posture uh you weren't fearful and defensive about the other you had a confidence within yourselves as you tapped into the best of your traditions and an openness that you went into that conversation in that space is that an accurate way to describe the postures let let me grab that because um I started with the dialogues in the very early years and have come back and forth over many years. So I've seen a lot of our members from the Buddhist side go through these dialogues. And some of them were people who had been raised evangelical or conservative Christian and felt deeply injured by it. Um, uh, We had a number of people who identify as gay, bisexual, non-binary and so on, who had felt very injured by their upbringing, um, by the shaming that they felt from their community. So they were afraid going into these dialogues. They were reluctant Um, and they did come in defensive and protective of themselves. Um, And it it was a big ask for them to enter into this dialogue with with a community that they felt had traumatized them. So, and I think it had powerful effects on both groups, both people from both sides to see how an injury like that plays out. And so when I hear go through your convictions, it's really important to me that I hear the through, that that it be possible for us to both of our communities believe that we're right and not mean have that mean that the others are wrong and you know and as paul said so there is this tendency to just wait till people convert well that is a that is a very strong message that we're wrong um and that's not a humble message in any way so um it's the going through that i think is really important is being willing to say this is where i stand but maybe there are other answers, maybe there are other ways, maybe there are other views that I can expand to. Um, I think that helped some of our members who were coming in with, with injury, with a brokenness. Why do you think those uh, who did have those concerns were able to participate even given the fears? Was it trust in, in Kyogen and in the process? And Gyokiko can answer this too, but I think, yeah, it was trust that their community would have their backs, that they weren't alone, um, that we could, we, we could support each other in that. So. And uh, Gyokiko, perhaps you wanted to add something there and then Mikio, I think, could share about how these things have always been very uh, meaningfully structured. Uh, vetted because it just wasn't willy-nilly uh, done be- that we really try to make sure everyone has a place to share but Gilkako, uh did you wish to add well we did have to do a certain amount of uh, uh, discernment about who it was appropriate to invite to these mm-hmm. because uh, as I was saying being able to be centered in something that you had clarified in your heart of hearts. Um, some people take longer at that than others and might not be ready to, um, to be vulnerable in this situation. But the other thing is uh, part of our tradition is 
to challenge our own beliefs. And so uh, if somebody uh, has made real progress in their Zen studies and yet is still expressing all this uh, hate and injury, uh, it, it can be transformative to then confront um, in a safe environment uh, some of those people who represent <clears throat> what injured them. Hmm. Mikio, did you have something to add to that? Um, to me, not, not so much of a different um, religious background. Um, I really noticed that people really cared what um, others were feeling. Uh, that's my experience throughout this um, interactions that, <clears throat> so like if somebody's gay, and I could see that the evangelical participants were, what's the word? I don't know the good word for that. I guess careful is one word to say it, but it's also, um, it's just that the room had the air of care. Mm. And we knew that, you know, many evangelical people are not like, you know, theoretically not approve of that kind of you know, being in the world, but so there's that. So that part is almost, to me, it's like really, really basic human caring between people. And, and, and for me, the effect of that is that I think if you were like really injured, growing up as gay or whatever, like not approved by the main culture, that even just to, you know, maybe not like, you know, talking about the, the main issue, but just have some conversations and having meals together with, with people who are, um, because of the situation you really haven't been in touch with, um, actually was, was helpful. Mm. Not necessarily, um, you know, just saying to each other what you want to hear. It's not like that, but, you know, yes, just to talk about the food and, you know, oh, this is good, oh, this is pretty tasty potato or whatever. Um, that actually... I've seen that so many times that I, that was that seems really helpful. Hmm. So. On the evangelical side, what what kinds of feelings and uh, experiences were, were you looking for? What did you bring into these meetings? Well, for me, um, my husband is Chinese, and his family had a lot of. Uh, Buddhist presence, although it's not Zen Buddhist. Um, I felt too, uh, the first year that I was involved in the dialogue um, meeting in potlucks, um, it was hard because 
to bring the awareness of the woundedness and the pain that was experienced by uh, many of the Zen Buddhists was, was a real awareness and wake up, you know, because understanding and listening to the issues that they've confronted with uh, some of the conservative evangelicals in their lives was heartbreaking. And I had to sit with that. And, and so I had to sit and listen and hear how um, devalued many of them had felt in different circles. And um, it, and I think it's still a learning process of learning to listen well and to still in the, the midst of differences or ideals that we can share that equal value to the other person. And so I think the idea that we can see each other as valued was huge and valuing each other, even though we're different in some ways, but yet understanding some of our common ground. And that's been so beautiful to be able to embrace those common grounds and to press into that and, and to cherish to move from kind of feeling like there's different sides to a community of friendship. And, um, and I, I've honestly really missed our times together since COVID kind of separated us. And it's been hard because I've learned a lot from just being with these individuals as, as, you know, as friends and hearing their stories and hearing what they've learned and, and sharing um, the struggles of life um, that's challenged us. And that to me is precious. And it's sad to me when that's not allowed to happen in evangelical circles. And I just treasure it. And even though those first, that first year was really horrendously hard to hear the pain I'm so thankful that we were able to build some trust and trusting that we can be, I mean, just the idea of a a safe environment is unheard of in so many contexts and that we were able to, we are able to enjoy this of us being in a safe environment is, is such a precious gift. And I wish more people would enjoy that and experience it because it's it's not a common a common occurrence. Well, and both of our communities are such we can really get into a house of mirrors. Both of our traditions emphasize community and they emphasize being with other people who share your values and and practicing together and it's really easy to make that your primary reflection in the world to see yourself all the time in your friends, in your social circle, in your professional circle, to just get out and be forced to see someone with stark differences and then discover common ground. That was powerful for me was, um, was to not just find out that we all liked potato salad, but that we actually had some pretty common views about the political situations in the world, about how to handle various social issues that, you know, when it comes to the poor and vulnerable and downtrodden in the world, we have a lot in common. 
And since 2016, the differences have become so much more stark. And yet I feel like we still have a lot of that common ground, but it comes with seeing stark difference and being willing to see the stark difference. Mm -hmm. um, to piggyback off of what Trudy said, I, I think for me coming into it, um, I really, initially, I just, uh, just really prayed about what God would want me to do uh, and what um, I was there to do. And, um, and so going into the meeting, I just kind of took a posture of prayer and, uh, and then right from the onset, if I remember correctly, cause it's been many years for me, uh, we were like grouped into different tables and then there were certain questions that were asked and then a dialogue started within the tables. And, um, I remember, um, kind of what Trudy was saying that, uh, one of the first questions was kind of directed about like just spiritual pain and uh, and then just hearing people's stories about their pain within the evangelical Christian community. And in some ways I could relate to some of it because I've experienced some of it myself. And um, uh, but in other ways, I, I, I couldn't relate at all. And um, and I said from the onset that this really helped has helped me in my ministry as a chaplain in hospice and in um, the, the hospital because uh, uh, I really had to take an active listening posture initially and uh, and there's a difference between listening to somebody and actively listening to someone and what I mean by actively listening is to uh, to be able to just you know shut your mouth and uh, to be able to uh, to really focus on the person and not let your mind uh, waiver to other things that maybe you need to do after that event. And then at the same time to also be able to go down into the hole with them uh, of some of that pain and to sit with them and not just like listen to it from the top of the hole on down, but to fall down into the hole with them. And, um, and that's been uh, that. And so that has played a huge role in my ministry today to, because I had to do that a lot initially. And uh, it was like Trudy was saying, a little difficult to hear things and uh, hear people's pain, their frustrations. Um, but from that, and I think it was shared as well, um, that, that built uh, a level of respect and trust where then we could see some of the common ground and, uh, and build up from there and to be able to have conversations around other things. But I'm glad those questions were asked initially because I think that's what really helped to build the trust that, hey, they're, they're listening to me. Um, I have their ear and I have their attention and, um, and they care about me. And, uh, and, and likewise, uh, them towards us when we would, you know, share things. So it was, uh, it was really uh, great in that way. But for me, the biggest lesson on the onset was to just uh, learn to be an active listener. I want to top onto that, the, what Aaron is saying about the, the top of the hole or down in the bottom of the hole. I feel like uh, one of the things that we brought especially when we did the retreat, uh, one of the things that we brought to that is to be willing to expose our own pain, mm -hmm. to be willing to be that vulnerable to the group that, that you could say some of the, the hard things that have haunted you in this life and, and to expose that to the group and, and have it received with that kind of listening, with that empathic listening, was, uh, uh, as Trudy said, it's really hard. Uh, 
that there are times in our spiritual lives when uh, just just um, examining what is going on brings you to a, a state of uh, physical sweat and strain uh, because it is so so tender and so hard to go through. And yet uh, being in a safe environment where people are willing to listen with, with empathy and without um, a knee-jerk judgment, that is transformative. And uh, further to what Yokoko and others are saying, you know, uh, to get to that point, like with the retreat, uh, some of these people had just met one another uh, through that year. We had a special grant through the ATS accrediting body to do some special forums uh, where we, we got together. We've, we've been together in different ways for years now, but that year, uh, Dharma Rain and New Wine worked through a, a loose grant through the uh, Association for Theological Schools. Uh, and so we did monthly meetings with potlucks. Uh, we read books like C.S. Lewis, Thich Nhat Hanh, others uh, from our traditions uh, together. Uh, the retreat was, was it not somewhat toward the end of that year's cycle mm -hmm. uh, out at a camp uh, east of Portland? Uh, and I think by that time, some trust had been built and the structure was there again, I think that made it possible for us to share more openly uh, because the trust was growing. Um, and I think, you know, for those watching, these things cannot be done quickly. They, they require much time, I think, immersion in one's tradition and, you know, I've learned so much from my Zen Buddhist friends. You know, one of the things that Kyogen would do is he appreciated the fact that I was so immersed in my evangelical tradition. Uh, we did a book, Evangelical Zen, together. And he would say, for all my disagreements from Paul or with Paul, I respect the fact that he takes very seriously his tradition. And he says one needs to go through one's tradition, not just stay up at the trailhead, but go all the way through. He uses that image. And people like to sample at the trailhead, but they need to follow the trail. And I think that there was a security, uh, like with Kyogen, Gyokuko, uh, Jiko, Mikio, uh, in their tradition. And hopefully we have a security in our tradition that I think that security in community, security in our faith traditions helps us to extend empathy, helps us to extend or to become growing in humility. I think insecurity, and I've got, I have insecurities um, for sure, but I think the more insecure we are, the less able we're, a, a, uh, we're inclined to enter into that, uh, these shared spaces. So I think it takes a lot of preparation. Mikio has been a, a moderator for a long time with these groups. We really carefully process this, what to do, how to go about it. And now we actually work together because we've had people come into these meetings at times i thought okay what are they here for we're, we're always welcoming of people but they need to make sure that they're honoring the rhythm of the group because we dare not allow this to be sabotaged for, with 
by people with ulterior motives <laughs> what we're doing. And so I just, I want to say that uh, this is very sacred to us and it's something we put a lot of energy into and thought, and I think it took a year for many of those conversations to move toward that. And I still remember those conversations at the retreat guild ago. Those, those are life-changing for me. <laughs> those are life-changing. So. Well, you, you came together initially over mutual concerns on a local level as well as national social issues and politics and so on. And over the years, you've had an opportunity to have conversations about things and discover you've got areas of common ground and agreement, but also, I would assume, continued deep difference. What has it been like for you to work through and have those discussions where you're developing trust, you're discovering some commonality with each other, but at the end of the day, there are some things you just have deep difference on. How, what has that process been like for you? Buddhism has a very deep tradition of bowing. We do full prostration bows to the floor and the spirit of the bow is accepting this now, accepting the reality, the wholeness of this world as it is right now. And sometimes it's very easy to do that. Sometimes we, we just fold into that humble posture of acceptance and surrender. And sometimes it's a very stiff, difficult thing to get down to the floor and really accept. So, you know, we teach that you, you bow Part of that bow is bowing with whatever resistance you have. So to me, that's, that's how we, we live with each other's stark differences is this too is part of my world. I could live in that house of mirrors and not have to look out and meet people who disagreed with me or voted differently or, or lived by different morals, or I could accept the fact that that's my world too. Um, and and be open to the wholeness of that world, which is that Paul and I are good friends and I trust him and we feel very differently about some things and very similar about other things. And that's my world too. Um, does that make sense? It's a continual bow of, of awareness and acceptance of the world as it is, which is full of both conflict, but also, also trust. Mm -hmm. One of the things that um, uh, Paul and Kyogen used to joke about, but is also very serious, is that um, we are aware that in the uh, evangelical world, in particular of Christianity, but in general in Christianity, um, those of us who don't accept Jesus Christ as our personal primary savior are doomed to go to hell and we don't accept that. Um, and it, it, it stays there kind of um, sometimes in the background and sometimes voiced outright, but it's there and we live with it. Yep. One of the of that beloved that community that I know you all want to save me and I feel saved already. And that's where we just part ways. Mm -hmm. And I think with what's being shared, you know, conversion happens in a variety of ways. And we talk about intellectual humility, 
one of the things I try and encourage my students in uh, world religions class, uh, I've, I, every year when I'm teaching the course, I'll mention my abiding friendship with Kilgan. You know, my son, Christopher, um, endured a catastrophic brain injury in January 21. He's minimally conscious. Uh, we're seeing very, very slow signs of progress. I remember when Chico and I got together for lunch at McMinniman's uh, last summer. So she said, I, I would assume that Paul, you really wish Kilgan were here, um, uh, you know, just as a solace, a journey partner. And I said, absolutely. And in some ways Kilgan is here. Um, and I would say to students, um, you know, I, I hope that we go through spiritual vertigo in this course and in life, the, the tensions. And I think that's part of maturity to live in tension. Uh, it's, it's not always bad to live in tension. I said, how can someone be so profound as my friend Kilgan, Abbott Carlson, and we're so worlds apart in terms of our metaphysical outlook and the like. And I said, that's a reality. And I think it's either easy for us to either dismiss our truth claims, whatever they might be as claims, or dismiss the person uh, before us is profound. I said, I've rarely met Christians this profound. And that messes with me. And I think I want to be messed with. Uh, I want to be messed with. And I think that to me is part of maturity. And I think that's part of the intellectual humility. There's an elasticity. Now we'll become fuzzy and such. I mean, Jiko, I, I loved it when you said at the Powell's book reading for Evangelical Zen, because Kilgan had passed and you uh, very graciously uh, agreed to, to read his portion uh, at Powell's. And you said, Paul, and I think we're right. And you're, and I loved it. I loved it because there is this, and you were saying it with, you know, a bit of banter, but these are friends who hold very seriously their convictions with humility, but hold firmly to their convictions. I think that makes for a better discourse, a better dialogue. Mm -hmm. So there is that tension, um, some deep tensions on a variety of subjects. And, but there is a security that there is trust and there's even pain in holding these positions for us as evangelicals that we don't discount. And I think I, I want to keep living in that tension, but with trust, right. deep trust. And security. I think you've, you've figured out that we want to save you too. You do. You do. <laughs> and I, and I love it. I actually love it. What, one thing I was going to add to is um, to that question, John, is that, you know, for me, um, I see everyone as created in the image of God. And so we all get to reflect his beauty and his light. And so for me to be able to see people's light and their beauty, whether they agree with my convictions or not, you see God in them, you see their light in them and you celebrate that, you know, and, uh, and you learn from that too. You, you try to see their light and their beauty and challenge yourself to, to ask, man, I want that aspect of God's light in them, you know, how can I learn from that, you know, and that's where the life on life contact comes in, you know, and that's where uh, you build trust and love with one another. So even though your convictions might be different, you care about each other on a deep level, you know, one of the social workers I work with, we've known each other for six, seven years, and uh, she's a fairly devout uh, Buddhist and and uh, we, like we were just talking about, we have very different ideas of like just the metaphysical as Paul mentioned, but there's so much respect and love that we share with one another that um, 
uh, that though there are those stark differences and stark outlooks um, uh, that we might uh, um, have different convictions about, we care about each other on just on a deep level and we'll do anything for each other. And, uh, and there's just a lot of trust that's there. And I think, um, you know, to me, that's one of the tragedies of just our country today is there's just, uh, you know, we wanna um, identify people based on their, their social outlooks or their political outlooks. And we just are putting people in these really small, tiny boxes and people are much more complex and deep than that. And um, I just wish, uh, you know, there was a way you can, you know, talk to the three governors that are running here in Oregon and ask them to do something like this, where, you know, people can get together and have these, uh, have dialogues where we don't just identify ourselves uh, uh, based on our political and social outcomes, but we, we see those things, uh, we might grieve those things or argue about those things yet, but from there, hopefully be able to build trust. But uh, I think it's just one of the great, um, I think darknesses of our country today. And it, and it worries me, you know, being a father and, uh, and scared about what my kids are growing up into, but at the same time, encouraging them always, you know, even at six and two, look at people's light, you know, uh, don't look at their differences and the things that separates you, but look at the things that makes people beautiful and what can bring you together with that person and not just focus on the things that divide us. Well, our time together is uh, drawing to a close in just a few minutes, but perhaps we could get uh, a couple of folks to briefly share, how have you seen over the course of these conversations over the years, how have you seen humility in the other? Evangelical seeing it in Buddhists and Buddhists and evangelicals. Anything come to mind for you? Rudy, do you want to share? I was just reflecting on the idea of relationship, of that sometimes I feel that too often we put, like Emil said, to put boxes or you have to fit a certain category or context to have relationship with each other. And I think that breaking down those mm -hmm. um, walls and creating that safe environment of respect and value to the other person has been a critical piece of this grouping of individuals um, to create friendships with people that are, are do think or believe differently than myself or, um, but yet treasured, valued, um, and individuals that play a part in our lives. And I've missed it since we've had to be apart. I have honestly missed our times together. And, you know, with an achiness of saying, there's kind of a missing piece that we haven't been together because of COVID. But yet, that's beautiful, because it says that, it means something to us. It's a value and that we can play a part in each other's lives and challenge each other and grow together. And that's, that's lovely. Mikio, do you have any thoughts that you wish to share? Well, I think uh, for individuals, uh, <laughs> it's really easy if we live and interact with you know, certain people in, in our community, then I think my tendency is like, well, take some of the things that are kind of like a party line, 
we have for, for granted without not examining it so much because everybody says this, oh yeah, this is it. And that is really challenged when you talk to somebody from different beliefs and different religious practice because then you actually have to think, wait, do I agree with that? Uh, so to me, that's like a growth. The thing that I just took for granted was like challenged. And then for the first time, I just realized that, oh, I haven't really thought about it that much. And um, it's been a really um, rich environment for that, that kind of process to me. I would add that, uh, <clears throat> you know, when we've engaged in conversations, uh, my, my Buddhist friends would continue listening. There was this, this, this curiosity. It wasn't an inquisitive posture. Uh, it was this deep bow in attitude of wanting to understand more fully what I believed and, and in some ways more so why and how I believe. So I never felt like an insect uh, under glass. Uh, I felt that uh, there was a real invitation, invitation to share and, you know, Kilgan would often sign off on his emails and such, if I recall correctly, the wording with palms joined, correct? I mean, I think that is the, the language with palms joined. And, you know, there was a solidarity for him and, and, and for me as well. And uh, so I think there was always this, in the midst of the challenges of our two things, because it, it's intense stuff, what we're talking about here. It's not easy. It's, it's hard. But there was always this with palms joined. And uh, that's that's a form of intellectual, emotional humility. Well, I want to thank you all for uh, for sharing. And uh, it was a challenge to get our mutual schedules to coordinate for this conversation, but uh, we made it happen. And my hope is that uh, people will be inspired by these relationships and these conversations for these many years. And that uh, whether you're an evangelical or a Buddhist or, or what have you, that uh, the work that has taken place in developing these relationships and exercising and tapping into and fostering intellectual humility will be uh, something that other people might want to carry into their context, whether it's religion or politics or what have you. So uh, thank you all so much for being a part of this conversation today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for your good work. Again, this is the uh, podcast for Multi-Faith Matters. Uh, please take a look at the other episodes in this four-part series on evangelicals and multi-faith engagement exercising intellectual humility. Until the next episode, thanks for watching and listening.